Hello, and welcome to Survive the 9 to 5, the podcast dedicated to tactics, tips, and strategies that help you survive and be happier on your crazy corporate journey. I'm Elizabeth. And I'm Doug. And today we're going to talk about performance reviews. Does anyone enjoy the performance review process? The person giving it, the person getting it? It always feels like uh, such a chore. And a lot of places I've worked, you'd have to do one like every six months or so. And then they would like taper it back. So like every two years, they'd realize that it's too often every six months. And then they would change it because the reviews were so uh, poorly done. Yeah, it's such a miserable process. No one enjoys it. Everyone views it as a chore. But sadly, in a lot of organizations, that performance review is tied to your merit increase. So it actually is a pretty big deal. And by merit increase, you just mean, uh, you know, your raise, right? Yeah, I get raises based on my merit. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I mean, like, we're talking money, right? Yes. Who gives a shit about the, uh, you know? No. (laughs) Yeah, we're talking, this sounds very corporate. I'm sorry. Merit increase. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, are there any positives aside from raises uh, with the performance reviews? Before we start slamming it, I was like, "All right, let's look at the the upside." She's struggling, so I, I have one. If you take it seriously, I think it's a good way for you to set goals and then try to reach the goals. And it's really important, of course, when you set goals to evaluate what you're doing every once in a while. I think, uh, of course, there's some downsides to that, but it can give you an opportunity to set goals and measure things in a formalized way. That could be a good thing. It is definitely a tool that you can use to help you get promoted to Doug's point of setting goals. You can have those conversations. What do I need to do to get promoted? What skills do I need to improve on? What certifications do I need to get? And have that written down and documented in that performance review. So yeah, there are some positives to it. But I would also say a performance review and what's in the performance review should never be a surprise to you. If you are keeping track of your progress, if you're staying in touch with your manager throughout the year through regular updates, that performance review really should be mostly a formality. If you're getting surprised in your performance reviews, then you've got an issue going on with your communication with your boss and probably others in your organization. And I was going to say, I have gotten performance reviews where I was surprised, but sometimes, yeah, I'm sure part of it was my fault, but sometimes you have sort of mentors and I come from a consulting background. So we call these folks career counselors. Sometimes your career counselor is just bad. I've had mostly great ones, probably 75% really good mentors. And then there were a couple people who I never talked to except when they told me that I was going to be promoted when I got a raise and then when I got laid off. That was literally the only time I talked to this guy. So preparing for your performance review should be a continuous process. I have always had a folder in my Outlook. I don't remember exactly what it's called, but Throughout the year, when I do something good, whenever I get written notification from someone, hey, Elizabeth, nice job on this, whatever, I file that email away. And then I will have that to go look back on when it's time for the performance review. So let's say you're being evaluated on your communication and you're doing your self-assessment. There's a big difference between saying, I'm a great communicator and 
my communication skills are great, and I was commended for them for my work on X project in this instance. So you have specific references that you can go back to that really can't can't be argued. Right. And I always pull pulled those in when they happened organically. So if someone just sent me a nice email, I'd file it away. I never specifically asked for them. Did you, Doug? No. I, I mean, I think at that point it comes off weird. So, no. And I didn't really, I mean, I kept a couple uh, emails like that. Specifically, like, if I was working with a client and we had a particularly challenging deployment or something, I have like a software project management background. So if we had a deployment that was particularly rough and it was on everyone's radar and then we came through, often you may receive an email saying, hey, thanks for like helping us get through this. It was really tough. And a lot of times if it was, uh, you know, a huge, (laughs) if it was a huge shit show, you may get recognition from a couple levels up, which from the client, which is like the gold standard in getting feedback. If you can make the client happy, then your management will be really happy about that. So start keeping record of those accomplishments. Keep a record of the education. If you're doing performance reviews once a year, which I think is most common, you're not going to remember everything that happened that year. So keep a log, and that'll really help you when it becomes time to do your self-assessment. And I was just about to ask you, so in most places that I've worked, there was a component of self-assessment, which, I mean, it really sounds like a joke because, like, of course... You're going to say you're great. You know, you should say you're great most of the time. But can you describe the self-assessment for people that may not be familiar? Sure. The self-assessment is where you do your own performance review in a nutshell. And usually it is exactly the same as what your official performance review is. So meaning if your manager has to answer 10 questions about your performance, you're answering the exact same 10 questions. And in the final performance review, there will be what you said and also what your manager said side to side about those items you're being evaluated on. And the self-assessment, in my experience, you don't do it with your manager. You know, you don't sit down. It's a self-assessment. So you do it beforehand. You complete it. And then that gets sent over to your manager and they view it before they do their, their personal assessment of you. Yep. And that's, I've seen it that way exactly, even though, you know, the systems change, uh, the format changes, but it's basically, you know, your chance to give your input and provide your evidence and support of how you're meeting the metrics. And, you know, that brings us to another point, the metrics that you're evaluated against. So those often shift and change. And if you're lucky, you're, you get the like all the metrics, everything that you're measured against so that you have some understanding in different areas, you know, technical expertise, communication. I can't think of any others. Attendance and punctuality. Right. Yeah. So there's tons of things that you may be evaluated on. And if you're lucky, you're working at a company where they're organized enough and they have a, like a mature HR area so that they have the metrics that you know that you're going to be measured on. But some smaller companies, you may not have anything formalized. They may like go to Google and and Google like a performance review assessment and then just start it from there. So have you worked at a place, Elizabeth, where they didn't have like a formalized situation? No, every place I've worked, 
um, has had formal performance reviews, and we knew what we were measured off of. But that doesn't necessarily mean (laughs) that they were done well. Okay, yeah. So, completing that self-assessment, should you be modest? I'm kind of modest in general. So when I first started doing these performance reviews, I was like really truthful. (laughs) I was really truthful and probably fairly modest. I wasn't bragging too much and it was just subdued. As I moved on in my career and you can refer back to how to get promoted, the episode uh, one of this podcast, basically I got a lot more aggressive and there's a lot more chest thumping to make sure that people knew that I was doing things. In fact, in a lot of ways, if a team completed something, I would then figure out how to train. Like if the team that I was on got something done or did something good, I would figure out how to say, I did that. Now, I wouldn't take all the credit or anything, but I wanted to make sure like a team accomplishment was something that I took credit for, at least in the self-assessment. Of course, the people, uh, at least I think they understood that I didn't single-handedly do a like team project, but really important to you know try and claim as much recognition as you can. Absolutely, and that's where your folder of you know past recognition comes in. If you have all of that written down and you can cite as many specific examples as possible, then you're manager, whoever's doing your performance assessment, they can't really argue with it if you can say, I'm great at this one aspect, and here's where I was told I was great, and here are the things that I did. So definitely be as positive and sell yourself as much as possible within reason. Obviously, you don't want to put exceeds expectations all the way down, um, but definitely give yourself some exceeds, um, and don't give yourself any needs improvements ever meet expectations on everything all the way down. I agree. Yeah. I mean, and I would just err on the side of, uh, you know, much higher than what I deserved because they'll knock you down. And often in, in organizations that I've worked for, let's say you're being evaluated on a scale of one to five and your average score when they look across all of those items is 3.5 that will directly correlate to the raise you get. So it's not, in some organizations, it's not just you know a meaningless exercise. Whatever your final average number is, that's going to correlate to your raise. So you might as well rate yourself up as high as you possibly can. And Doug made the point, some managers are lazy. And they may take your self-assessment performance, and as long as it's mostly in line, they're just going to copy it over. Right. And I've done this um, many times once I figured out that was the case. So I would let them know that I was working on it. Maybe I wouldn't work directly in um, like the system where you would submit all this stuff. But I would just say, oh, here's what I've been working on. I'd send them a Word doc or an Excel, whatever it was in. Make sure that they had that like in their hands as well. One of the keys that I found was to have all the metrics that you're measured on every single point. And it's typically a lot. So let's say you're evaluated in like five different areas. Each of the areas have 20 different bullet points. I would literally go through all of those, every single one, and mention you know where I was at, uh, like how well I was doing in that area, and then provide a piece of evidence, right? So that's the key thing. Now, it sounds like Elizabeth was getting... 
a lot of uh, emails, uh, kudo emails, where she was doing a great <laughs> job. I never got anything. I got a handful, right? I could count them on my my two hands here. Basically, I didn't have those kind of emails. Maybe it was the culture of the company, or maybe I did a bad job. Doesn't really matter. I didn't get the emails, but I was able to provide evidence and you know provide numbers if there was an opportunity to and just every single one of those metrics like give a piece of evidence it's not enough to say doug's good at communication you have to say you're good at communication and here's the evidence why so we're talking about good performance reviews right now have you ever had a bad performance review i have i've had a couple um sort of poor ones and i have a good story with one why don't you go first though I did have a bad performance review. I got a needs improvement in one area, and I'm I'm a I like to think of myself as a high performer, a good employee. I have never gotten a needs improvement on anything, and I'll admit I kind of lost it. I realized, and this helped me through my performance review process, and it probably doesn't say good things about where I was with this company. My manager's evaluation of me had no bearing on my actual performance. He used it as an opportunity to sort of flex his ego and to put me in my place. And once I realized that, I was a lot happier. I went through several more years of performance reviews and I would just go in there and I would smile and I would let him say whatever he wanted to say and then we would just move on. So I think the message I'm trying to give you on that is I mean, it is our, it's our careers, it's a large portion of our lives. But if you have a manager like that who uses um, those performance reviews as an opportunity to, to put you down, don't argue. You're not going to change their mind. No matter how many um, references and emails of people saying you did a good job, if that manager decides that they don't think you did, you're not going to change your mind. Maybe say one point and then just move on. And then feel sorry for them that they're such a miserable person (laughs) that they have to do that to make them feel better about themselves. One of my points was around like if you have a bad mentor um, and they give you poor performance reviews, I was going to say, don't be afraid to ask for a different person. You know, I worked again in the management consulting area, so we had the concept of a career counselor. Basically, you could ask for another career counselor if you know you weren't working together well. Now, did, would you have had the opportunity to do that? I would. I did not. This was a small company, so I was I was stuck, and I even stopped doing self assessments because he didn't care about my self assessments. So I literally would walk into the performance review, just smile and sign the paper that was sent that was given to me, no matter what was on it. Obviously, I don't work for that company anymore. And I was going to say, that sounds like a situation where you, you know, you should probably quit, find another job um, just in general. Of course, we're just talking performance reviews. So perhaps there were other areas that made up for that sort of uh, sounds like an egomaniac person that was giving you the assessments. (laughs) All right. So my poor review was really around not working enough. But let me explain. So there was a project that I was on where we had to do a lot of shift work, meaning maybe you go in at 2 p.m. and you work until uh, midnight, something like that. 
just because of a you know international team and that sort of thing. Further, sometimes you had to do that over the weekends. We had a 24-hour coverage situation, so you may have to come in on the weekend and work weird hours. So say 3 p.m. to midnight on the weekend, on Saturday and Sunday. So we would like rotate and, you know, the number of hours roughly worked out to, you know, something like 50 hours a week. So a little overtime, nothing crazy. At some point, I kind of had enough, right? They asked me, I, I worked these crazy hours and then they asked me, you know, a couple days before Christmas Eve, if I could work on Christmas Eve, which happened to be a weekend, also it's Christmas Eve and they wanted me to work some weird shift hour, you know, some night shift. And I told them, no, I can't do it. I already have plans. They came back to me with the same kind of weak arguments, be a team player. Everyone's working these strange hours. But at that point, I had had enough. So I just said no. Later on, when I got my performance review, uh, they got it. They gave me a bad review as far as like being a team player. There was a nice narrative around it too, so it wasn't just um, you know not a team player. But they gave the specific example, uh, which I was happy to own. I knew that was a a risk that I was taking, and at that point, um, it, it actually ended up like because of that poor review, it took longer for me to get promoted. But in my opinion, it was worth it. I was just not happy having to work those crazy hours. But that is, you know, one area where I got a pretty bad review. Um, And it was through, I mean, it it was a deliberate decision on my point. And you ended up getting transferred off that project, correct? That's right. I forgot. So I actually wanted that. So I pissed them off enough so they would get rid of me. Uh, The cost was a, a little bit of a poor review. I think the point you're trying to make was that poor review was temporary and it was a single data point in time. So it really didn't hurt your career progression and you got off a horrible project that you didn't want to be on. Exactly. Yep. So it worked out pretty well. Your specific mentor has a lot of influence on your reviews and really even how you approach your job and then your your self-assessments. So I'll give you an example of mentor that I think gave me bad advice. And I think I knew it at the time. So I had a few years under my belt at that point. But he told me to be indispensable on a project, you know, volunteer for more responsibility, um, just really go above and beyond and do like a super awesome job. And I mean, that sounds good on the surface, but there's a couple things like going on there. So he, he would tell me that in one breath. In the in the next sentence, he would say, you know, I'm working 80-hour weeks. I don't get to see my family. I don't get to see my kids very much. And it's really, like, wearing me out. And it's been really hard for me to get promoted. And that sort of stuck with me for a while. And it, I didn't figure it out exactly um, until a little bit later. But when you're, when you're working so hard that, uh, you know, you're not happy, it's really not going to – it's not going to be a, a good thing in the long run. And he was doing this for quite a long time. So at the end of the day, I realized that he wasn't a great mentor as far as like providing like a role model uh, example for me to follow. He was, I mean, he was very supportive. He was a nice guy, but I was like, well, it doesn't look like working 80 hours a week is helping him and he's not happy because of it too. So at that point I realized, hey, I probably should like maybe look for another mentor And then I think we touched on this earlier, but we'll go back to it. At the end of the performance review, there's usually a goal section. And don't skate over this section. This is 
This is maybe the most important part because it's the only part of your performance review that is completely customizable. So you will sit with your manager and you'll say, you know, what are what are your personal goals? What are your professional goals? Or, you know, what do you, do you want to accomplish the next year? You can use this to help you get promoted. You can use this to highlight any education or trainings or certifications that you want to do. And you should definitely find out what's important to your manager. If there's anything in your performance review that they've asked you to improve on, you can say to them, how, would, how do you suggest I go about improving that and how can we measure it? And you can get it in that goals section. And then next year or in six months when you come up to do your review and you're going to be evaluated against those goals, you can really show how you knocked it out of the park. Again, nothing in these performance reviews should be a surprise. And of course, if, you're, if your manager forces you or dictates the goals that are in there, then maybe you won't have any any say in it. But in most cases, you you get a lot of say in that section. So make sure you put things in there that are attainable. And this is really a spot where you can shine. Yeah, great point. I know a lot of times uh, mine were not very good goals. So, you know, refer back to the smart goals. For a while, my goals were pretty crappy. And then sometimes if I was lazy, I wouldn't come up with a good goal. I think it was like in the 50s or something, G came up with a smart goal concept and it's specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and on a, on a timeline. So we'll put a link in the show notes for smart goals. But if you frame all of your goals with a smart goal format, then it's much easier to you know measure it, to attain them and all that sort of thing. So sometimes my goals ended up being continue doing a good job. That's not a really great goal. It's not extremely measurable, but you could obviously break that down into a goal that you can measure in the future and say, yes, I accomplished it or no, I didn't. So that is performance reviews in a nutshell. And thank you for listening. Some actionable items you can take out of this. Start tracking your good things, your accomplishments, any kudos emails, save those in a folder plan for your performance review in advance, know what you're going to be measured on, know what's important to your manager, have some actionable, smart goals set, and also, um, yeah. (laughs) And also, take it with a grain of salt. It's not the end of the world if you get a bad performance review. It's probably also, you know, not the best day of your life if you get a good one. If you have any tips on performance reviews, be sure to go to survivethe9to5.com and leave a comment on the show notes. This is Elizabeth and Doug here at Survive the 9 to 5. Thank you for listening and best of luck on your next performance review. Survive the 9 to 5.